You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Hey there, Cremaholics. Welcome back. It is your host, Kinsey. I'm here for another Friday episode, and I hope everybody enjoyed their week. On this Friday episode, I will be bringing you part two of Rebecca Barsati's story. What we know from part one of Rebecca's story is that she left her home in Virginia and started a new life in Montana. Not long after living in Montana, Rebecca meets her husband, David. The two seem to be head over heels in love, but what was happening on the inside painted a different story. Rebecca was facing heavy amounts of domestic violence at the hands of her husband, David. Having had enough of the abuse, Rebecca gains the courage to leave him. While she was working hard to get herself back on her feet, she goes missing on the same day she was supposed to meet to get the rest of her belongings from David. Rebecca's family got minimal help when it came to locating her, but eventually her family would get the call that they didn't want, that Rebecca's body had been found. And in fact, in middle of March, Brad Smith came to me. He's the captain of Wings of Hope. And he said, I need to tell you, I think we're going to find Rebecca in pieces. From the turbulence of the water, the rocks, the rocks are very, very sharp. Um, the divers couldn't even keep their gloves um, from ripping. From ripping because how of how sharp the rocks were. Plus, the water was so turbulent, they had this sonar that they couldn't even keep down low enough to get images off the floor. Yeah. You know, that's how turbulent the water was. So um, anyway, so he had to come to us and say that, and that was in the middle of March. And they extensively searched over 87 river miles um, a mo two miles from upstream where they thought Rebecca and the dog went in to down to Thompson Falls Dam because they figured that would be a natural barrier. And they they that's 87 river miles. But now you double that because they did the entire river, both sides and the center of it. So they did probably close to total three or four hundred river miles. And that that doesn't take any account of all the river rafting. Uh, companies that are out there every two and three times a day yeah where they say rebecca went in is a very popular very popular area for river rafters kayakers recreational people but on the 17th of may we were out of town and we were out of town for five days yeah five days we were out of town for five days I think it really odd that all of a sudden, five days out of town, the first time we'd gone out of town since we were there, um, we get a phone call that a body's found. And um, we got that call and it was um, 
Ryan Funk, who called us and said that a body was found, that it was found um, near the Clark Fork River. Well, he said in the Clark Fork River, but the young man who found the body said near the Clark Fork River, because we also spoke to the man who said he found the body. Um, and then, uh, but the interesting thing that happened on that night, uh, this was on May 17th. And I remember asking Ryan Funk, and actually I record all my phone calls, so I have it on recording. Um, and I do that so I'm not misquoted. But I asked him, I said, so what happens now? And he said, well, you probably really need to have that discussion, um, you know, with your attorney. And I said, well, I mean, because Rebecca and David are still legally married. What happens? Do you realize he turned around and told David that I was going to inform the, the state crime lab and Garden City Funeral Home and everybody that Rebecca's body was to be released ex exclusively to me. Now this, this happened overnight because on the morning of May 18th, David's attorney filed a motion that didn't even go before the judge. She put it through to the clerk of the court and had the clerk of the court sign it. The judge never signed it and it awarded David PR based on a lie from the deputy. What stuck out to her family is that they were originally told by Wings of Hope to expect to find Rebecca in pieces when she is found because everyone is under the impression that this was a river accident. So of course, they assume that they're going to find her body in the river. But when the man who found Rebecca's body reported to authorities, he said that he found a body near the river, not inside the water. But when her family received the call from officials, they were told that her body was in the river. So of course, as they were told, they were expecting that when they got to see Rebecca's body that she would in fact be in pieces. But not only did Rebecca's parents never get to identify Rebecca's body, the body that was found was completely intact. Where they found her was about what, 40 miles from where they said you're in it? And the body was intact. The dog went 10 miles down the river and the dog was all tore up. Yeah. You know, the, the skin was all cut up. The fur was all cut up. Everything was cut up. The dog was recovered six days later. Okay. Six, uh, 10 miles down the river. But he was totally lacerated from the river rock. Yeah. Now, Rebecca was in the river for almost 10 months. 10 and a half months. Okay. There wasn't a mark on her. She had a pebble on her right thigh. That's the only thing the autopsy, the autopsy said there was a pebble on the right thigh. Okay. And so, I mean. Her it, head was all shaven, you know. Half inch, half inch hair. Rebecca had really long hair. Yeah. And um, they, the coroner or the uh, pathologist at the crime lab uh, misidentified the tattoos. Tattoos that she had. Okay. Wrong places, wrong colors. Yeah. Um, she grew an inch. She grew an inch. After she died. Yeah. And um, her right hand was skeletonized. Her right hand was skeletonized is what we were told. And the thing of it is, is that when I asked about the height, 
the excuse I got was, oh, well, it's really difficult to measure a dead body. And I'm like, you know what? I'm a nurse and I've worked in the pediatric office and they can lay an infant on a table and get a height without any problem at all. And they're squirming around and kicking and everything else. And you can't get an accurate measurement on a body that's still. And, you know, and by 10 and a half months, they're not, the body's not rigid anymore. And so, of course, through all our trials and tribulations, we were able to uh, get the judge to grant us an opportunity to have our own uh, autopsy performed. But that even got botched up. And that got botched Because we found Rebecca was identified on June 2nd. Okay. It took them two weeks. Well, she was found on the 17th. She didn't get identified until June 2nd. So that's two weeks. And then um, by June 6th, I had a pathologist lined up, ready to sign a contract. But Mineral County Deputy Attorney told me Rebecca could not leave the state because of chain of custody. And I nobody had said that before. And I was specifically looking for somebody um, on the West Coast so that David couldn't um, accuse, us. accuse us of trying to hijack Rebecca back East. And, um, and so then I couldn't use the pathologist in Washington State. And then I found a pathologist that was willing to come to Montana um, that had a Montana license because this is a medical position. Mm -hmm. Their license is granted by the Department of Health. And if I'm not licensed as a nurse in the state of um, Montana, I can't get hired in a hospital or work there. Um, same thing for doctors. And so it took weeks, it took two, two or three weeks Actually, it took longer than that. It took probably three weeks, three or four weeks to finally find a doctor that would come to Montana. Now, mind you, the state crime lab knew that we were going to get a second autopsy. They were supposed to keep the body preserved. And so we, um, I contacted the second pathologist, made arrangements. I requested an emergency injunction. The deputy county attorney of Mineral County said, no, that's not necessary. We'll do a stipulation. The stipulation took another two and a half weeks. And, and not to mention everybody that we wanted to bring into Montana, well, they'll have to find their own place. Oh, wait, they can't use the crime lab? No. They wouldn't let them use the crime lab. Why not? Because we don't do business like that. Yeah. And so let me get this right. We can't take the body out of the crime lab and now you're trying to tell us whatever we do we got to use your people yeah no and, it ain't gonna be like that because we don't trust you and so then we finally found somebody who said no not a problem i'll do it at the funeral home and the funeral home agreed but then when i called mineral county to let them know they said no rebecca can't leave the state crime lab so then we had to go through that ordeal of getting it approved for the pathologist to go into the state crime lab. No, so no. I we had an order, we had a court order that was absolutely no good. 
It just, there was roadblock after roadblock after roadblock. And go ahead. See, and here's the other thing about the funeral home. The crime lab was probably a half a mile, not even that. I'd say probably a quarter of a mile away from the funeral home. The funeral home. And it it's just, and then by the time the pathologist got in to do the second autopsy, Rebecca was so badly decomposed and so covered with thick white mold that he couldn't do the autopsy. They didn't even preserve the body. They didn't preserve the body. They didn't put her in storage that was cold enough to preserve her. And they had her triple bagged, triple bagged, not a single bag with a lock on it, but they triple bagged her. And so I, I you know, and I'm, I'm trying to figure out at what point they already knew that I had been on social media, that I wasn't happy with how the sheriff's department was operating and processing this case, but yet, and they were in court one day on one of the hearings saying that they would not be held liable for any um, wrongdoing in this, in the autopsy. Not to what? mention, okay, we, Angela wanted to see the body. And they wouldn't let me. They wouldn't let her. Okay. Why wouldn't they let her? Why? Because we believe that that's not Rebecca that, that was on that table. You know? And we also believe... Well, I didn't even want to see the whole body. I just wanted to see the tattoos. Because I knew if I saw the tattoos, I could identify her. Because there were so many inaccuracies in Rebecca's autopsy, I was very interested if there was ever a cause of death listed. Because one is undetermined. See, and the big question is, was there water in her lungs to identify her as drowning? No water was found in her lungs. But yet, what did they do? They went by the police report that said that she went in the river and died from water drowning. Now, if she went in the river and died from water drowning, water in her lungs. Because there were so many inaccuracies in Rebecca's autopsy, I was very interested if there was ever a cause of death listed. So the manner of death is undetermined. The cause of death is drowning, solely based on the police report that it was a river accident. The, and I actually have correspondence from Dr. Prashar, the state crime lab uh, pathologist that um, specifically says that um, drowning is determined by the police report. Scientifically, no water found. there was no water in the sphenoid cavities. The, it specifically says the sphenoid cavities are dry. Sphenoid sinus is dry. The alveoli were intact. The bronchioles were intact. As I was listening to Rebecca's parents go over the details of the autopsy, there were so many things that had stuck out to me that seemed off. And one of the things that I asked was if the autopsy had stated that there was major trauma to the body. Because if you remember, they said that Rebecca would be found in pieces because of the river terrain and how fast it was. So not only has Rebecca's body been supposedly found completely intact, according to Rebecca's family, 
The autopsy also stated that there was no significant amount of trauma on her body. No major bruising, no breakage in her bones. And that doesn't make sense either because the Clark Fork River is a very can be a very fast moving river. And there's all kinds of twists and turns, log jams. And things mm. like that. So she would have been, even About if she got hung up in a log jam and stayed there, she would have been thrust into that log jam. It's not a lazy river scenario. So bottom line, okay, we get our pathologist to do his job. That wasn't even, the paper, the ink on that paper was not even dry. And they released the body to David, and David got a cremate that day. We're not even, they didn't even let us know that that was happening so we could say our goodbyes, you know. And David, the SOB that he is, accused me of why would you have anything to do with it? You're just a stepfather, you know. And I said, well, that doesn't have anything to do with anything. She's part of me. She's part of the marriage, you know, and I treat her like I treat my son, you know, and Angela does the same with my son, you know. And so we didn't even get that opportunity to say our goodbye to Rebecca, you know. And before all of this happened, David would call Rebecca, uh, Angela once a week and sometimes twice a week and talk to Angela for about two hours. When we got out there, it was like we had the uh, COVID virus because he didn't want anything to do with us. Okay. And so that didn't make any sense at all. Okay. And the other thing that's a big red flag for me, during this whole ordeal, the sheriff, the news media, all of those people never said that Rebecca was married to David. They never said that this was part of a domestic violence uh, marriage, okay? So the body was found on the 17th, and now all of a sudden Sheriff Clark says, well, now David's found his wife. Where was that last year and a half? Why all of a sudden now David's married? And we're finding out why. Guys, I want to tell you about this amazing podcast that I just came across recently called Trying Not to Care. This is a podcast for anyone who has ever felt misunderstood, alone, or as if they care too much for people who don't care about them at all. The host Ashley dives into topics about mental health, navigating your 20s, friendships, breakups, self-love, manifestation, and more. This podcast is perfect for anyone who is looking to improve their life and become the best version of themselves. As somebody who recently went through a divorce at 30, I'm back in the dating game and learning how to do all of this from the very beginning. Ashley's podcast has me relating to her in every single episode. You can listen to Trying Not to Care on Apple, Spotify, or anywhere you listen to podcasts.
But yeah, so it wasn't important that David was married before when she went missing. But now we have found out that there's an accidental death policy on Rebecca, only payable upon accidental death in the amount of $250,000. We had to find that. We had, we, well, somebody, somebody. A um, good-hearted Samaritan. A good-hearted Samaritan called and told us about it. Yeah. And, um, and so we've, we've had it confirmed. See, and here's the other thing about that. David wasn't the beneficiary of the $250,000. No. A friend of his is. A friend of his is the beneficiary. And who was his friend? The caregiver that lines up. He owns a caregiver business. Yeah. And David went to him to get the caregivers. Yeah. So um, they said they thought the policy was taken out on two, in 2017, which is important because Rebecca came home for a month at the end of 2016. This was something being planned. Yeah. And so not to mention that uh, David wasn't even going to get the money his friend was going to get the money. And when his friend called the insurance company and said, I don't want the money. And that's when everything started going haywire. And the agent said, I need to hear that from David. So there was a three-way conversation. And when he told the agent, that I didn't want the money, David went off the deep end. What do you mean I, you don't want the money? You've got to take the money, you know? And so, therefore, the agent said, I'm sorry, sir, but this is going on to a further investigation for insurance fraud, you know? And now that's where it's at. So David is the policyholder. Rebecca was listed as a rider. So when we came out to, when we got out here, I, when I met with the detectives in Missoula, I asked them, I said, they asked me about insurance. I said, I have no idea if they have life insurance. I don't know. Mm -hmm. So I called the Montana insurance commissioner's office. <clears throat> they wouldn't speak to me because it was an active investigation. So I gave the detectives the phone number and I said, I need you to find out if she has if there's a policy on Rebecca, I think it was in October or November, I checked back with them and they said, oh, well, we called, but we never heard back. This mm -hmm. is how they do things out here. You know, they don't follow up. They, they're not, they're not complete in what they do. You asked about the autopsy. I think the autopsy was a Kmart blue light special. You know, I think that they had the police report that said river accident, we're not putting any extra effort into this. And I'm going to tell you the interesting thing here. You had intact body. They were able to pull tissue, liver tissue, for a toxicology test. My attorney said that they um, ran a mass. It's called a mass, M-A-S-S, -S, spectometry which he said is one of the most expensive toxicology tests you can run. They found THC, which Rebecca had a medical marijuana card, so I expected to find that, and caffeine. That's all they found. But despite the fact that they had an intact body with 
tissue that they could run for a toxicology test, none of Rebecca's DNA was amplifiable. They took three samples. I don't know from what. They didn't say from what. But they said they tried three attempts to run DNA on the body and it was not amplifiable. Why is a body not amplifiable, but it's, um, it, you can pull tissue for a toxicology test? I don't understand that. Not to mention, okay, we got accused of holding up the autopsy oh, yeah. because they didn't have a dental record. Well, the dental record is on the, the sheriff's side of life. They're the ones that within a month should have requested all the dental records, all the DNA records, and they didn't do a damn and thing. And they didn't do it. I did. I went to the dentist offices and asked and in fact one dentist i had to i had to pay my attorney to intervene for me because he refused to release the records he said the police department is supposed to be doing this and i said but they're not so i'm doing it and i was her guardian at the time so there was no reason for them to withhold because so, i had been appointed guardian for um quite a few yeah. months so anyway rebecca had a full set of teeth and on the, the uh, coroner report, there was five teeth missing. What happened to the five teeth? And I and I specifically asked him. I don't get any answers. I specifically asked him. I said, Rebecca had four wisdom teeth removed when she was 18. Are you counting the four wisdom teeth in your five teeth missing? And I never, I think that's a fair question. And I didn't get an answer. And, um, you know, and there's been a lot of, you know, I mean, they just don't answer. That's how they handle things here. They figure you'll yeah. go away. We tried till, till the cows came home to get information on a 911 call. Well, we can't give you that. Why not? Because it might be a criminal case. Wait a minute. You're telling us that she went in the river. Uh, it was As an a accident. river accident. I said the. Two situations are different. You do one set of uh, rules for uh, a missing person, and you do one set of rules for criminal investigation. I said, so why are you overlapping each one to sit, suit your need? And that's what they're doing. And, I mean, I can't tell you the fiasco that's gone on out here. We had um, the deputy county attorney accosted me, um, outside a courtroom on July 19th and verbally accosted me and said, you know, that they found one and a half pounds of pot in Rebecca's car. Well, that was the first time I'd heard of that. And I have a copy of the inventory of the vehicle. And I asked him, I said, so what did y'all do with it? We burnt it. And I said, oh, you destroyed evidence just like you have everything else in this case. Yeah. Well, so then he started telling other people about it. And so um, I asked for a chain of custody and he couldn't provide one, but he threw Missoula County under the bus and said that Missoula County confiscated the one and a half pounds of pot and destroyed it. So I contacted Missoula County and they know nothing about it. But here you have a public servant, deputy county attorney, throwing another county under the bus with false information. We caught this guy, that was one lie, and we caught him in another lie to, he said, well, 
did your search group find a crane in the river? And I said, no, there, there is no, I know there's a crane in that river. I lived on that river all my life and there's a crane in there. So we called Brad up and Brad said, I'll be glad to come out there and uh, find this crane, you know? So we got in touch with Wally and said, hey, we got our search group coming back out here. You show them exactly where this crane is. And we never heard back from Never him. heard back from them. It, it, and that's how it is out here. I mean, I spoke to a friend of Rebecca's that's actually, and this is horrible, um, that's actually a physician and a nurse. It's a couple. And um, I, I was going through Rebecca's call logs and just calling people and asking them, you know, how did you know my daughter? Stuff like that. I was sharing with them my frustration on the lack of professionalism in the Mineral County Sheriff's Department. They moved from another state in the United States and moved to Montana. And their comment to me was shocking. They said they had to lower their expectations for professionalism in the medical field when they moved to Montana. And I thought, oh my God, you know, it shocked me. I said, as an, I'm a nurse, I'm a registered nurse. I said, I'm going to do everything I can to bet to do the best and provide the best for my patient. I am not going to reduce my standards based on the community around me. Rebecca had told Angela often that Montana was just different, but her parents did not realize how different the town of Superior was until they arrived in the town themselves. Major things started sticking out for them. For one, it was the fact that the town of Superior was extremely poor, but also seems to be the home of a very nice, expensive airport. To them, they were wondering, what exactly is this airport being used for? And Rebecca used to tell me all the time, Mom, it's different out here. Mom, it's different out here. When we were talking to the FBI, I said, all right, we've got a town that's poor, okay? Uh, Angela's trying to get some of the town folks to put ribbons up around the town. And the lady said, well, I can't afford the ribbons. And, uh, the, the, and Angela said, it's only $10. No, you just don't understand. $10 is a whole lot to us. It's if, either food or medicine. Yeah. So I asked the FBI, you've got a poor town of Superior, population maybe 800 people. How can they afford a nice airport? Yeah, they have a real nice airport with night nice lights airport. and everything. They got lights, they got hangars, they got a nice runway. I said, I see a lot of these airports around here that these farmers have, and there's nothing like this one here in Superior. Well, the FBI says, well, I don't know. I told Sheriff Top, I said, you know, what's to say she wasn't abducted on that river? Well, I know different. I said, how do you know? Yeah. It, he I said, that's your theory. You have a theory. You can't prove that she went in the water. You can't prove that somebody saw her go in the water. Nobody heard her go in the water or the river. I said, none of that. I said, and my theory is just as good as your theory. I'm saying she was abducted. You're telling me she ran in the water after her dog. But the 
I said, one thing about a, a, a server, and Angela said the same thing. One thing about a server, her feet are her tools. Those are her, that's her livelihood, her you feet know? and her hands. So how is her flip-flops placed nice and neatly on top of her shirt? Mm -hmm. I said, I don't see any footprints in this picture where she ran into the water. Well, it's not that kind of sand. And the, the rocks are sharp. You don't go you don't go in barefoot. Yeah. I said, and besides that, she had a shock collar controller around her neck on a lanyard. Why would she take that off instead of pushing a button so the dog would come back? Yeah. And, and well, just we don't go, know why she would do that. And just go in with everything. You yeah. know, we said if she went in for an emergency rescue, she would have just gone in. She yeah. wouldn't have taken time to take everything off and yeah. then go in. Yeah. Plus, I said, hey, who's that book? Who, who's book? A boot print is that next to the shirt there? Oh, that's the sheriff's. I mean, the deputies. Well, how do you know it's the deputies? Well, because he was the only one there. So did you look at the bottom of his boots to see if they matched? Well, we don't have to do that. I said, why not? How are you going to know who it is? You can buy them boots anywhere. David can have a set of boots like that. You don't know that. You know, you don't do your business. I said, you didn't mock any of the items around. I said, you just, oh, here are the items. Gather them up and you never mocked the, the yeah, they crime said, scene. They said all items were compromised. That's yeah. what Sheriff Toth told us. He said all items at the site were compromised. Well, you know, if you trained your deputies, you know, better, they wouldn't have been compromised. And where she went in, okay, it's a truck stop. There's six spots for trucks to park and, you know, uh, take a nap if they, and rest. I said, deputy, how many trucks were there that, that day? Well, I don't know. I said, you don't know. I said, that's the first thing I would have noticed. I know. I told him, I said, I would have been pounding on those truck doors to see if they had camcorders running. I said, how many how many cars were in the parking lot? Well, I don't know. I said, that's Detective 101. Know your surroundings. And you didn't even take a look at your area, see what was around. You just went along like, La -di -da -di -da -di -da -da. That, and and now, so like when I made the phone calls to Montana Highway Patrol, they said that they received a call at 537 the night of the 20, um, the 20th and that a Montana Highway Patrol uh, officer arrived at 557 and then they called Mineral County. And they got there about 6.15. But the interesting thing is, is that now there's somebody on Rebecca's Facebook page by the name of Ty Freedom, who I think is actually David, um, that said he called 911 at 3.42. Two hours difference. And that he could tell us everything there is to know. I haven't haven't responded i haven't reached out because david is a true manipulator and i'm not going to give him the opportunity to annihilate me and i truly believe it's david because of some comments that he has made on facebook that only he would know and um that's why i think it's just a fake account with a fake name 
But if he called somebody at 342, but Montana Highway Patrol is saying that they received a call at 537, then who did, quote unquote, Thai Freedom talk to? And then the other question comes into play because nobody was, so according to law enforcement, nobody was at mile marker 72 when they got there. But at a prayer vigil that I had in Alberton, a gentleman um, came up to me and said, I was there and I spoke to the deputy, but he won't come forward. His name, his, like, you know, I've called him. I have his phone number. I've called him. He won't answer. He won't return text. He won't come forward. People are afraid. While Rebecca's family was in Montana, they had continued to hold up hope that Rebecca was going to come home. So her parents made sure that they maintained the lease on her home. So that way, if they were able to find Rebecca, she would have a home to come home to. But once a certain local found out that they were staying in the home, threats started coming in. We didn't have any more money for hotel fees, okay? No. And so we went. We were paying for Rebecca to uh, when she when she come back home, she could have her a uh, trailer back. We maintained her trailer lease because I mean, when we first got out there, we were hopeful that she would turn up, and we didn't want her to be left um, without a place to stay. Left without a place to stay, and it's so hard to find any kind of. Um, living arrangements and money. But anyway, David made a couple calls threatening the landlord. Yeah, that the police were going to be in there to shut to kick us out to of that trail. Us. I have those. I have those. Um, you know, and recorded so needless to say, he didn't get anywhere with that. No. Then on Halloween night, we get a phone call from one of David's friends that Nathan the, Jacobson the trailer was staying is and is highly flammable highly combustible highly combustible and he was hired to kill us yeah and our dog and, our and dog. he suggested that we find someplace else to stay so we were basically we filed a police report we were basically on the move from November 1st to July we when, when we left what they told us is that they can't verify it's David's voice on the recordings, even though David says, this is David Michael Barsotti. And even though the sheriff's department talks to David on the phone multiple times, they said they can't verify. And I said, well, then send it to the FBI. That's what they do. They have voice recognition profiles. And but they won't do it. They refuse. They refuse. We are investigating at our own expense, but then even when we get the information, and I've asked um, a detective in Missoula, I said, who do you give the information to when nobody's really investigating? And he he looks at me and he goes, you know, I have another mom with the same problem, but no answer, you know? And it doesn't matter. I can give the information to Mineral County, but they don't know how to process it. We need an IT forensic specialist. Mm -hmm. um, I've done a Google activity download on Rebecca's um, accounts, but I don't know how to process it. And a friend of mine looked at it and they, and they said, there are specific days here that are very important where information was deleted. 
So like we think Rebecca was being stalked on July 2nd and there was information deleted on her phone on July 2nd. There was information deleted on her phone on July 16th, 17th, and 18th, and on the 21st. We we had one person that did all his river images as a hobby. And he come up to the pool, uh, Austin told us that, hey, I've got images of something on the bottom of the river. And Angela said, well, go see Detective so-and-so. He's down there on the river. He went down there and he saw the detective and the detective said, don't tell anybody. Don't about tell this. anybody you got this. The Wings of Hope were there as a, a freebie. Yeah, they came in as a nonprofit. Okay, they come in as a freebie. The and they time. were finding stuff, images on the river. And, and they, they, they were told to pack up they and told, go home. They told them to pack up and go home. I said, y'all ain't doing your due diligence. You're not looking out for Rebecca. You're looking out for the criminal. Well, he's got rights too. I said, Rebecca's got rights too. What about her rights? You know, and they just look at me like I'm crazy. I said, yeah, y'all doing all you can to pr protect a person that says he's a veteran and he's not. I said, why don't you look into that stuff? You know, calm down, calm down. We'd do the same thing y'all doing. Oh, no, you wouldn't. Yeah. I said, every one of you in here that have a, a loved one that goes missing, you'd have every agency in here. Every three-letter agency that's on the books, you'd have them in here. Well, you won't do it for us. I'll tell you why you won't do it for us. We're not from Montana, so you're not going to help us. I said, but I'm going to give you all a little tip here. I'm retired. My bills get paid whether I'm in Virginia or I'm in Montana. I get a paycheck every month, whether I'm in Virginia or Montana. I said, so in other words, I'm retired. I got nothing to uh, but time. I said, and here's something else. My wife is in the same situation. She's retired, and we're not going anywhere until we get answers. You know, <clears throat> you can hear crickets. I was so mad. Oh, I was mad. Still am. You know, because I support the police. I work with the police here in Richmond. You know, I work with them. And the thing of it is, is they're nice people. They've got lives just like you and I. But when you get out there, if you're not from there, I've got my sister works for Massachusetts State Police. And she was getting, I said. She was trying to help us. She was trying to help us. And she said, Jerry. Montana doesn't play. You know, we may never know exactly what happened to Rebecca and, unless if somebody comes forward with the truth. We're not going to let her name die. David buried her in the backyard, hoping nobody would ever think about her again. Supposedly. And we are not going to let her spirit or her name be forgotten. Mm -hmm. Rebecca was loved by the people who knew her or she, her neighbors loved her. We, when we first got there, we knocked on all the doors to her neighbors in the trailer where the trailer was. They all praised her. They all enjoyed her. People who don't even know her. Like there's one lady who helps me in the support of Rebecca's cause. 
And she said, she'll never forget the woman she never got to meet. You know, I mean, there's people that she didn't get to meet that are helping and that love her a lot. I am so thankful that Cheryl Horn got me in touch with Rebecca's parents. As you have heard through both parts of Rebecca's story, Rebecca has left a big impact on many people's lives. Rebecca was a good woman who deserved so much more than she was given at the hands of her husband. As of today, March 3rd, 2023, Rebecca's family still has no answers as to what happened to their daughter and if the body that was found was actually Rebecca at all. A family shouldn't have to be fighting this hard to get answers as to what has happened to their loved one. Crimeaholics, if you haven't already, I highly encourage you to join a Crimeaholics podcast discussion group on Facebook, or you can follow us on Instagram at crimeaholics.podcast. Crimeaholics, as always, be aware and take care.